It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to episode 131 of the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryav, and my co-host, the second lung to my Kobe Covington, Nick Braccia. It is good to be on with you. It is good to be on, man. We're ready, getting ready to discuss UFC 272. We're going to break down the entire card in the second segment. But Nick, in the meantime, how much of a factor do you think Colby Covington's second lung will be in this matchup this weekend? Maybe he's got three or four lungs, but thank God he only has one mouth, which is one too many. I could, not be le- I could not be less interested in a fight. I'm so not. I might, I'm probably not even going to buy this pay-per-view. And I buy, I, I buy them all. I would be disappointed if you if you bought this pay per view, very disappointed, Nick. Yeah. So yeah, look, I'm I'm not a fan of either guy. If I had a slight preference, I would probably prefer that uh, Masvidal win over Kobe. Oh, they're both yeah, they're both pretty they're both pretty repugnant. But I admire. I mean, Colby's. I, I have grown to appreciate Colby Covington as a competitor, even if I, I I think he really does work hard, and I think probably works much harder than Masvidal. I think I don't think Colby Covington punches hard. I think in the fourth and fifth rounds of fights, his conditioning and his will are so strong that when someone like Usman is worn down, at, at, that it's like he's at risk of being overwhelmed because Colby is such a machine. And I I I, res, I respect that. I really do. A guy who is not as athletically gifted as a lot of uh, other people in the division, but has found a way to compensate for just about everything. But at the same time, like a lot of athletes who do only one thing, he's a complete fucking mental midget and uh, a horrible person. Uh, <laughs> I, dis- I disagree with you on the mental midget part. Like, he's obviously not bright, but he's mentally very strong. Yes, I don't mean in terms of will and self-belief. I mean in terms of... Um, it's like, frankly, like education, world, worldliness. Oh, I hear uh, that. Empathy. Yeah. Like. yeah. Yeah. I definitely hear you there. Uh, not a good person. That is safe to say. Masvidal, to be honest with you, like, I disagree he's with him on. Box, uh, he's a shitbox. He's a dick. I, I disagree with him on, on, on plenty. I do think he's putting up a bit of a shtick, although much less like. He's a Trump. Phony. He's a Trumper. He's right. A Trumper. And, and, and here's the thing I have people that I love who are Trumpers. Like I disagree with them doesn't mean I need to dislike them, but I just like haven't really been into Jorge like lately. I used to I used to like him a lot on the come up, um, but I just like I, I don't know that I love the level of dive he's doing into this gimmick. I don't know that I absolutely love the gimmick, but I am intrigued by this fight. I am looking forward to the matchup. These are you know top ten quality welterweights. It is one of the you know th- top I, three or four yeah. divisions in the sport. I'm I'm excited enough for this matchup. I, I think it will be intriguing. I think. I think it has a 10 out of 10 outcome, though. That's why I'm not that interested in it. You mean that it's that it's that sure? Well, you know what? That that helps me to... I believe, uh, I believe it is. I believe that, it's that a 10 out of 10 That helps me to outcome. get a pretty good... I don't know about 10 out of 10. I would probably say a, a we'll little We'll talk lower. about it when we get there. But it there. gives me a pretty good gauge as to where you're valuing this fight, Nick. That is very, very good to know. Um, as far as our draft pick competition later. Nick, let's quickly talk about... draft pick competition Fuck you. <laughs> that was the best impersonation you've ever done, and it sounded absolutely nothing like me. Nick, UFC Fight Night, Mahachev versus Green. Um, overall, like, decent event. I think a couple of prospects really came out of it. A, a contender or two 
came out of it as well. We got to talk about Islam Makhachev basically blew through Bobby Green. It is <laughs> about worst case scenario for Bobby Green, right? Like my hope was that he might dominate him for a few rounds and might be, Bobby Green might be crafty enough to survive. But dude, Islam Makhachev is when it comes to just grappling, could be the best grappler in the sport right now. The way that he's just steamrolling these people who are fairly good defensive I grapplers think, who have good reputations, black belts I mean, even. Well, he just runs we'll see. I think I think uh, I think he's on par with Hazmat Shemaev, uh, but we have a bit, we have a bigger sample size with size with Makachev. I think but this was a Shema, This was a semi finish. This was yep. a Shemaev like performance, and it was one that he needed. Um, I think this is analogous to his um, uh, Hazmat's victory over who was his last win against? Kamza just beat Jingli Liang. Yes, it was. It was. I think a comparable victory uh, to that. But he had this moment to really become Khazmat mythic by fighting and beating RDA this weekend, and it didn't pan out. Like this was he. It listen, everyone, Bobby, everyone, like Bobby Green got some shine because he stepped in and he was the man. But people were looking for a, a higher level of competition, and even though RDA probably isn't quite at that level, crushing two guys in a week makes you is what it elevates you. It elevates you to that status, and it gives you an aura. And Makachev is just starting to develop it. I think he really missed out on an opportunity to um, get that patina of invincibility, a little bit of that legendary status. Uh, and for whatever reason, Hanato Moikano, snoozer, um, is going to get in there against RDA. And that's not entirely fair to either of those guys, but like, I was way more excited when I heard that Makachev was angling for that fight. Yeah, Makachev was, but here's the thing. Do I blame RDA for choosing to fight Moikano over Makachev? Hell no, man. Like, worst case well, that's, scenario. That's not how RDA to, put it. I'm sure it's not how he put it. Who, What fighter in his right mind would put it that way? Maybe, like, like Kevin Holland spoken like that in the past, where he's like, oh, I'm kind of scared of that guy. I don't want to fight that guy. But most fighters are not honest enough to say it that way. But let's face it, this was the more favorable matchup. doesn't mean that RDA will win, but he's just got... A much lower it doesn't mean they'll win, but it is 100%. 100%. Right. Uh, so, look, here's here's the thing. Makachev dominated Bobby Green. I think the uh, like him being on par with uh, with uh, Shemaev, I think you're insane to say that. Like, like wrestling-wise, maybe they're comparable. But when it comes to, like, grappling, Sambo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, whatever you want to refer to it as... Islam Makhachev is probably the best on the planet when it comes to mixed martial arts. How well? I, well that I haven't seen anyone. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anyone give. I, everyone says that that Hazmat is like an alien, and he's complete. Everyone, he all the evidence that wrestling, we have, right? He'll hold you against the fence. Uh, he might take you down, but his wrestling is good. His wrestling is phenomenal. His grappling is pretty solid, I would think. But dude, Makhachev, Nick, the way that he's slicing through this level of competition, we're talking about. Tiago Moises, who is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, completely, completely dominated him on the ground before submitting him with a standard rear naked choke, right? Finished Dan Hooker in the first round. Dan Hooker doesn't get submitted like that. Like, when have we seen this man? He just blew through him, blew through Bobby Green. We've never seen that before, Nick. These guys have no shot at getting up, even though they have a reputation for being good at the get-up game. Shemaev hasn't proven himself to be on this level when it comes to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Also, it's not really his strength. Um, My impression is that he's a phenomenal wrestler, uh, really fast, hard uh, hitter, and his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is not exactly like raped about per se in itself, right? His wrestling is, his grind is, his mindset is. Uh, Islam Makachev, 
he looks like a champion. He still hasn't beaten anyone in the top five, and it's not his fault. He's willing to fight, I think, just about anyone they put in front of him. But, you know, Armand Saryukian, he's got a win over who's got a who's got a big win on this card. Tiago Moises, who's had recent success, he's got a win. Dan Hooker, who's well regarded in this division, he's got a win over Bobby Green now. He just steamrolled through. Um, I think his next fight is probably going to be for the title. I don't love that he didn't fight any top guys going up to it, but it's not his fault. He really is elite, and uh, and I think there's a very good chance that he beats Gaethje. Uh, with Oliveira, I think it gets a little bit more interesting, and I look forward to breaking down that matchup if it does uh, occur. But Islam Makhachev has yeah. all the all the makings. He's got the aura. He's got it all. He's not as charismatic. He's not interesting to watch an interview of, right? He's not going to say he's going to um, smash he's got, someone he's gotten- with an E. Uh, he's gotten much better at that. He's starting to be pretty droll, pretty funny. I mean, for him to to quadruple his level of charisma, Nick, he would still be about ten leagues behind Khabib or or, or Chimaev or any of those guys. Like he's an inc- he's just like speaks slowly and and quietly, says confident things, but he's just not like he doesn't captivate you the way that those other guys do it's an it factor that he doesn't have and that's okay because he has a different it factor he might be a better just purely brazilian jiu-jitsu kind of grappler than khabib he has he's a better striker technically than khabib he's not as athletic he doesn't hit as hard uh he's not quite as fast right but he is purely a better striker um their wrestling is probably on par and so far makachev's there's a chance it's slightly better than khabib's Again, Khabib's only fought a couple of those very top guys, and we haven't seen Mahashev dive into that yet, so I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, perform against those guys. I'm fine with him getting... Uh, I'm completely fine with him getting a title shot. It's I don't think that his competition has been any... Listen, in the lead-up to his middleweight shot, you know, eight years ago, um, Chris Weidman was Alessio Sakara, Jesse Bonfelt, Tom Lawler, Damian Maya, and Mark Munoz. Like, I you put you you put those guys at that time up against the the lightweights that Makachev has beat. I think it's pretty comparable. Um, I would say that Damian Maya and uh, and Munoz were higher regarded than the guys that Islam Makachev just beat in their divisions at that time. They were higher I regarded. Munoz and, I think I think I think Munoz and Drew Dober were, were similar, but okay. But you're saying Drew Dober was similar? Munoz? Oh, maybe. Munoz and Drew Dober, but Damian Maia was a huge win. I think the only other guy to beat Damian Maia at that time was Anderson Silva. That was a huge win by a young guy who's like in his third MMA, uh, third, UFC, third or fourth UFC fight um, on short notice. That was a big fucking win, dude. Like, people weren't doing that to Damian Maia. Uh, he, had been, he had been knocked out by Nate Marquardt. Oh, that's that right. You're class. right. You're right. You're right. Well, again, like, number two in the division and number one in the division. The only t- two people he lost to. Um... Who do we have on Makhachev's list that have only lost to the very elite? He had all, wait, wait, wait. He had all, Maya had also lost to Mark Munoz at that point, too. Oh, he Just did. Interesting. All right, f- yeah, fair enough. So maybe maybe, maybe not maybe as next, untouchable. Maybe, right. maybe next time check out the Wikipedia before you start pushing back on my amazing comparison. Okay, cool. Next. Am I, am I needed for this conversation that you're having with yourself? Is this... Are we changing the format of this podcast? We can make it a one-man show. You're, you're, you've got that um, Islam Makachev it factor, Nick. Like once, once you start talking, people are captivated. You can't teach charisma. <laughs> no, you can't. Uh, and, and to be fair, you have a hell of a lot more charisma than does Islam Makachev. Nick, uh, we each scored three points on this last event. Twenty-four points for me, twenty-one for you. Uh, still competitive. We're still within just three points. So I think UFC two seventy-two is going to make a bit of a difference. But let's quickly talk through a couple of these other fights. Willing to determine, uh, basically caught Misha Serkinov. Misha Serkinov is a guy that can be winning any fight and then lose that out of nowhere. He can do it by knockout or submission, even though he's a great grappler. And you were right about that one, by the way. You picked my man Terman. Uh, 
Priscilla Cachoeira got <laughs> probably a bad decision over uh, Ji Yan Kim, which didn't do you any favors. Armand's her UK, no. Nick. Unanimous, unanimous, by the way, on MMADecisions.com. Yeah, it's, uh, that that's way. that's not surprising. It, it, you can uh, Honestly, you could probably call this robbery territory. It's just tough because Cachoeira just swung with such reckless abandon, even though she hit almost nothing but air uh, in parts of that fight. But we call, Armand, it, the, we call it the Leonard Garcia offense. Right, correct. Uh, but think about it. She was training for like a year and a half before she made her UFC debut against the greatest fighter at 125. Like, she had to really learn on the job in a way that only Angela Hill uh, might know about. So, Armand Suryukan, Joel Alvarez, Nick, we now know who the prospect is that's going to be climbing all the way near the very top of this division. Um, I thought that Joel Alvarez yeah. at those odds was a great opportunity, even though I edged Saryukian, uh just just if, if you take odds out of it. So I, so I took the, uh, the rider on Alvarez there for the two points. I thought it was worth the risk. And man, Armand Saryukian, he took him down. He kind of played it safe at first. Uh, wanted to kind of get some reads, it seems like, from Alvarez, who's very dangerous on the ground. And that's a really smart move. It shows a high MMA IQ. Um, and then Armand Saryukian, once he like started throwing some ground and pound, he was having success and just went for those elbows, finished that first round, cut Joel Alvarez open terribly. And in that second round, with the blood flowing into Joel Alvarez's eyes, Saryukian was able to get that takedown and, and just pound it away, finished him off, man. It was incredibly incredibly impressive Armand Saryukian is the future and let's let's remember he's the most competitive fight that Islam Makachev has had in this I, tough fight I know but what do you what do you do with this guy next because he's gonna he's gonna have the Makachevs in that none of these dudes that already have names are gonna want him to fight them like you're right Gale, does that's Gale, a, does, I mean maybe Gillespie takes that fight but like I, I feel like maybe Hanato Carnero um that's an interesting fight and it's gonna, I want Michael Chandler to fucking face him, oh, Michael Chandler I mean, to take his third loss in a row. That's way. It's Chandler. There's no way Chandler takes that fight. No way. No, no. And 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 the fact that Chandler can be choosy about his fights is rather ridiculous to me. But it is what it is. Um, you know what I would do with him? Actually, all of a sudden, Gregor Gillespie. Nah, maybe. That's, that's it. A, Nick. It's a good fight. I just don't know if Gillespie. I was gonna say. Well, what I was gonna say is, Fiziev's uh, missed a fight, and Fiziev is now like, you know. Gonna be looking I, I for... don't. I don't want to lose the prospect, but yeah, it would be a great fight. I would just. Gregor, hate to I mean, lose Gregor one of these Gillespie's. Guys. Gregor Gillespie's a prospect, also. Uh, yeah, but he, he's a prospect that has had a loss, and these are two like elite grapplers. So is, like, so is Fiziev. Uh, Fiziev got knocked out. Fiziev got knocked out. True, by, and uh, it is it is by, debut. Uh, Mustafa, but... um, yeah, about the same time as as uh, as Gillespie got knocked out by Kevin Lee. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, to be fair, I. Probably favor sir you count over both like both of these guys if only a little bit. I think I, I, I think I do too. But we got to we got to push him up the we got to push him up the ranks. And I'll tell you who doesn't take that fight is Tony Ferguson. Nope. Uh, Benil Daryush probably doesn't take that fight. Dan I mean, Hooker maybe. Yeah, uh, Dan Hooker's not at this weight class anymore, my friend. He's oh, that's fighting right. Arnold he, Allen. He he moved down to that's no you're you're right, and we'll see how that weight cut and all of that goes, but. Uh, RD, RDA would be awesome if RDA, you know, after this matchup, I think it makes sense time-wise. That might be a great one for him because RDA that's is kind a, of a gatekeeper. Into that's the top good. Three. Yeah, I think that's I think that's good. I'm just excited to see him against some of these other other Me young too. guns. I, I don't think any bigger names than RDA are going to be too excited to fight him. And then outside of that, we got guys like Faziev and Gillespie. I'm, I'm open to Gambrill's another serious prospect uh, to kind of keep an eye on. This is a... This is a stacked division, and I'm excited about it, man. The guys Maybe that we'll come see, up are I scary. Fiziev versus Gillespie is really interesting to me. 
Uh, um, I'm I'm more I'm more fine with Gillespie against one of these guys, even though there's real risk. Like Gillespie's the kind of guy that, man, he can beat anybody on any day. He's shown the heart. He's shown the will. Um, yeah, look, I'm 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 open to any of those matchups. I think ideally, though, it's going to be uh, uh, who was that last guy I mentioned a second ago? Ideally, this is going to be RDA. If RDA walks away with a win this weekend, if not, then Moicano. Perfect, perfect layup. It all works out. Um, and and then Nick, outside of that, we had. Let me see here. We had uh, Armin Petrosian, Nick, who wait like, is Mike Mykano also wait Mykano also isn't a regular at this weight class though. Uh, well, he's moved up now. I believe his plan is to stay at. This oh, is division. he? Yeah. Okay, got it, got it. Thank you. Um, so Armin Petrosian, Gregory Rodriguez. You and I spoke about how this is going to be an exciting fight. How this is going to be fucking breakneck. On top of we also look forward to the Alvarez. Sorry, you can't fight, of course, but. Uh, Petrosian just edged them out, man. It was a super, super close, super competitive fight. It just seemed like Petrosian hurt, like buzzing Gregory Rodriguez a couple of times. Rodriguez like is an overall pretty good chin, but like he's on roller skates a couple of times when he gets head clean, right? And and I think that probably is what gave Petrosian the edge at the end of that third round, man. Um, it just seemed like Gregory Rodriguez controlled the majority of the third round and did really well, landed damaging shots, but it was the, the last minute of work from Petrosian that probably edged it his way. I actually ended up changing this pick to Gregory Rodriguez because uh, I, I took that two-pointer flyer on Petrosian because I was a believer in him as a prospect, but the thing about Rodriguez is that he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He's a good wrestler. He just needed to go for takedowns. He just needed to go for three or four takedowns throughout this fight. He would have taken less damage. He would have scored enough points. He would have walked away with the win, but he didn't. He made a big mistake tactically. Yep. And it, it for a guy that's this well-rounded, this skilled everywhere, to, to decide that he just purely wants to kickbox with a kickboxer was stupid, and he paid for it uh, by losing a very close decision. But really good fight. Looking forward to seeing both guys compete. These are both like really, really exciting prospects. Yeah, agreed. Uh, speaking of exciting prospects, Ignacio Bahamondes. Um, got the win over Zhurong. Just kind of did what he wanted. That kid is legit, Nick. Yep. He is huge for the division. He was the bigger man over a guy that missed weight by five pounds. He is huge for the division. He's got the mental game. I think that his hit ability, there were some improvements in this matchup, although I'd like to see him fight somebody that's a little more active than Rong Zhu. Uh, uh, so, like, his, his defense and his wrestling defense those are kind of the outliers if he can shore those two things up he's he's on his way up i think the ufc should treat him like a prospect and give him uh, give him matchups that are going to complement him and allow him to actually develop rather than throwing him right into the fire um then outside of that terrence mckinney man ran through for um basically uh, uh he's been running through his op- opponents for the last several fights this fight lasted two minutes and 11 seconds, which is longer than the four fights prior to that, that he finished all of them by uh, knockout. So Terrence McKinney's a dangerous guy. He's got a wrestling background. Apparently, he was, like, eligible for the Olympics uh, uh, through college or, or what have you. So, like, legit wrestler, incredibly athletic, putting his stand-up game together. Um, got that loss to Sean Woodson. This is still a, yeah, and Derek Minor. It's a guy who, two, yeah, two and a half years ago, got caught by a flying knee to, from Sean Woodson. It's like, but... I mean, in a fight that knows? he was Look otherwise about, dominating, and that he took on yeah. short notice, like, like and I do I think mean, we have to factor that in when discussing like, this. Yeah, and not, like not all losses are the same. Like you're, exactly. I mean, I rewatched Makachev getting knocked out, and I actually thought that that I thought that was an early stoppage. Um, 
Oh, you're you're, so you're, like, gonna, you're gonna do that thing. You're you're like fully fully on the Makachev bandwagon, is what you're saying. Got it. Okay. No, I mean he does have he does have a loss, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it. It wasn't I as see. bad as it I remember. As bad it. as you remembered it, I hear that. And to be fair, I remember it to, to have been a, a pretty bad knockout as well. So maybe I should rewatch that. I'm I'm curious to see it. Uh, Nick, I think that'll do it for this card. Let's uh, take a break. We're gonna come back and break down UFC 272 big pay per view coming up this weekend. We're gonna give you guys all the predictions. And we're back on the podcast. Nick, we broke down the last card. I thought overall pretty well. Uh, 24 of my points, 21 of yours. As everyone knows, we take turns picking fighters competing on the upcoming card. Goal is to pick winning fighters, of course, as we break down this card for you all. Uh, Thus far, I'm three points ahead of Nick. And Nick, you have the first pick this weekend. Just keep in mind that when you pick an underdog successfully of plus 150 or above you get two points for that pick instead of one if you can pick up an underdog successfully of plus 250 or above you get three points for that Nikolai talk to me uh you know there's a lot of interesting fights and the odds are all over the place um and there's a lot of hot underdogs but like are they are they like double point opportunities but plus 150 uh I don't necessarily know and there's also the thing we have to factor in here we've got at least one Ukrainian fighter on the card. We've got several Russian fighters on the card. Um, that's, you know, a lot of Dagestani fighters on the card. That's, you don't know how people are feeling or what's really going on. You've got fighters from AKA where you where Kane Velasquez is in jail for attempted murder. Um, so it's, uh, it's a little, little weird. Um, there's some, some of this, the sort of, intangibles that could be impacting uh, some of the fights. And we may factor a little bit of that into our picks, but I'm going to go with no surprise here. I don't think uh, Brian Kelleher is a, he's a veteran gatekeeper. He's very, very good. He's UFC level. Um, and he can, he can take care of uh, any guy who doesn't really belong in the UFC. Um, unfortunately, Umar Nurmagomedov does belong uh, in the UFC. I think um, really, really tough, uh, Dagestani fighter probably has faster hands uh, than Brian Kelleher and is not I don't I just don't think that a guy with with his last name is going to get caught in a guillotine uh, even by a wily veteran so uh, the biggest he's the biggest favorite on the card and I think for fair reason although I do think minus 675 is a little ridiculous I think maybe minus 350 might be better um, but that would still make him the biggest favorite on the card uh, so I'm going to pick Umar Nurmagomedov over Brian Kelleher. I am there with you on the pick. Umar has really solid offensive wrestling, really good kicking game, and I think he needs to kind of shore up his boxing a little bit, which, you know, we, we, we've seen like we've seen some improvement over the last couple of fights. I'm looking forward to this one. But he's coming into his second fight in the UFC against Brian Kelleher, who's extremely experienced, who hits pretty hard, who, yeah, you mentioned the guillotine, but he's got an overall good grappling game. I don't love that Brian Kelleher struggled after a full training camp against short-notice replacement Kevin Kroom in his last matchup. Don't love that. His wins aren't aren't exactly over like high-level fighters. They're wins over guys that are just barely kind of 
barely UFC level, right? Ode Osborne, Hunter Azure, Ray Rodriguez, Domingo Pilarte, all these guys to one extent or another were considered prospects, maybe not Ray Rodriguez, but and, and they didn't turn out to be so, right? And the guys he's losing to are Ricky Simone, Cody Stamen, Montel Jackson, John Lineker. These are more athletic, uh, more developed opposition. And I think that describes Umar Nurmagomedov in this one. I, I think the odds are way too wide apart, but I definitely agree with you on the pick. Uh, my first pick is going to be in the matchup between Kobe Covington and Jorge Masvidal. Nick, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive right into this one, the main event. Um, Covington, we all know, is a high output striker, more power than earlier in his career, as we've seen again in the Usman matchups. He seemed to be working specifically on his power punching game, and it, it does look like he's hitting harder. I'm I'm curious if he can tag a guy that was j- just coming off of a knockout loss in Jorge Masvidal, Division One All American. Kobe Covington is has over 60 takedowns in his UFC career. Masvidal is great overall, not really elite in any one area. Uh, I would say his best attribute is probably his stand-up, especially since he's become a lot more aggressive in that area. His grappling is black belt level, but he can get stuck on his back against elite grapplers. His wrestling defense is really good, but he can get taken down by elite wrestlers, right? His striking is solid, but he's been outpointed in close fights, and he's coming off of his first knockout loss to Kamar Usman. On the feet, Masvidal would touch, will touch Colby harder, but Kobe will touch George more, right? Kobe's known for that output. Um, and I think he's just going to continue to press forward. And I assume Masvidal is just going to bomb back at him. And then Kobe's durability will have to come into uh, play. It would be one thing if Kobe, Kobe didn't have elite cardio, but he does, right? Having two lungs does go a long way, Nick, as we discussed. So if the fight plays out mostly on the feet, what the judges value more between output and pick uh, impact could be the biggest factor here. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if, if, if one guy was kind of head and shoulders, not, not head, but one guy was clearly ahead in the striking game. George will do damage. Um, there will be an opening if Kobe wasn't very tough, but he's as tough as it gets, right? Wrestling, Kobe is the better wrestler and on paper should be able to get takedowns. Um, there's a video from probably, I don't know, 10 years ago of these guys when they were best friends, both training at American Top Team. Kobe was, you know, also in the UFC, I think, at the time on the come up. And Kobe's just thrashing Jorge in their shared apartment all over the living room, just tossing him around like a ragdoll. Granted, Kobe fought at 170 at the time, Division One All-American. Uh, at the time, George uh, Jorge Masvidal fought at 155 pounds, so there was a size discrepancy. George's wrestling has probably gotten better since then, but um, that's got to go to Kobe, right, the wrestling game. Motivation-wise, Kobe is always motivated. He's, from what I hear, super disciplined. He kind of created motivation with his trash talk, I think, in every fight, right? Since he puts himself in a position to have to back up that trash talk. So he kind of adds this added element of motivation. That may also add pressure, but he seems to handle it well. George needs a title fight or a grudge match of this magnitude, I think, to really get up for a fight at this point in his career. Obviously, facing his old best friend who hates him in a grudge match is going to motivate him. The downside of that is that George has the pressure of representing American top team in this matchup. If he loses... It'll be hard to show up to the gym with his head held high. Um, this could mean more motivation, but I can also see it putting more pressure on uh, on Jorge and kind of taking him off his game. Back when they trained together, Kobe was the big brother when it came to wrestling. George, uh, Jorge presumably was the big brother when it came to striking. Since then, Kobe's definitely improved on his striking technique and his power on top of the many fights of experience he's accrued in the past few years. Jorge has been focusing on his defensive wrestling and brought in a high-level wrestler to give him rounds for this camp. 
Plus, this is his third matchup in a row against an elite wrestler. So he should have made improvements in that area since he and Kobe last trained together. Is it enough improvements to consistently get up or keep it on the feet? That's going to be the question. Because Kobe is not as big as Usman, right? Kobe's not uh, uh, the largest nor the most athletic welterweight. And it's been a while since Masvidal has fought at 155. Presumably he's filled out. He's he's at a pretty good point there. So I don't think Kobe will be the, will be the bigger man. Uh Jorge lost to Usman twice, as did Kobe, but Kobe had more success and it was more competitive. Jorge lost a close decision to Damian Maya, and Kobe basically dominated him, right? So the MMA math favors Kobe here as well. So youth, resume, wrestling, conditioning, age, damage taken, and momentum all favor Kobe Covington. George has the advantage in power in his strikes, and I feel like that's about it. I'm taking the younger, more successful fighter here. Jorge's coming off a devastating knockout loss, so I wonder how his chin will react to Kobe's kind of progressively more powerful punches. I think Kobe takes a relatively entertaining decision that has some dull moments, but even those dull moments will come with a load of tension, which I think will make them feel exciting. I've got Kobe Covington by decision here. Um, He has this insane confident aura about him that wasn't there leading up to the Usman fights. Jorge might surprise him and could even tag him, but I think Kobe's too tough, too disciplined, and too resilient for me to count on that to happen. I've got Colby by Yeah, I'm with you. I really, again, I think this is 10 out of 10. Uh, this happens. Would this um, have been your next picnic? Uh, probably. I don't know. Uh, but I don't really think George Masvidal, aside from his, his KO of, of Darren Till, like, has really won, a, won like, a fight against a, like, a real UFC fighter in the last five years. I think it was a lot of pomp and circumstance. And even then, it was, like, it was Cerrone. Like... I just I think he's 37 years old and that he's a he's a good tough t- kickboxer with some swagger, but that he's been beaten by much lesser wrestlers at lightweight than Kobe Covington and come any I don't think he's got I don't think he can knock out Colby like I just I don't I don't think it's gonna happen I don't think Colby will leave himself open uh, on the counter punch. The way I think Colby's gonna uh, get hit, man. He's, he's, he's gonna I mean, get hit, but but yeah. he's not. I don't think he's gonna get hit the way that Till got hit. Um, yeah, less likely because uh, because Kobe he's not would be on the front foot, presumably. Yes, yeah, and he's not gonna he's not just gonna right he's not gonna stand in the pocket and gunsling exactly. Um, yeah. So I I do I think whichever think... guy pressures will have the advantage in this one. The question and like Kobe has been pressured in moments against RDA and, and against Usman, so it's it's possible, especially if you give him enough reason to kind of fear the strikes of of Masvidal. Uh, it's just hard to imagine, you know, that Kobe can't just engage in the clinch and hold him up against the fence, even no, if the takedown's difficult, right? He can just kind it's of, kind nothing, of time that way. Nothing that George Masvidal is going to make him feel is going to be as bad as what Kamaru Usman made him feel. I just I don't think believe you're about that. right. So, except for just um, the level of aggression, but but that's fair. And and again, Usman did have Kobe backing up at least in the first. Couple I think of if jo- if George Mas- if George Masvidal brings uh, brings that kind of level of aggression, he's going to end up on his ass almost immediately. Yep. Um, reactive so anyway, I, I agree. Uh, I agree with the pick. Um, even though I don't like you. Um, so, <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> you know, like Come. if my confidence was any lower than it is at this moment, and I mean, just a centimeter lower, that could have really hurt my feelings. Man. <laughs> you know that I love you. Man. Just, <laughs> it's just, a, it's just a gimmick. Um, okay. Next. So basically, I'm you gonna... and Kobe Covington, like same person, give or take, just gimmicking it up. Yeah, yeah, Nothing yeah. is real. I think so. I think so, it makes a lot of sense. Now this is interesting because I'm gonna pick this guy high, even though I think this is extremely risky. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I like uh, the Russian fighter out of AKA Tagir Ulimbekov, uh, despite his inability to or disinterest in checking leg kicks um, against Timothy Elliott. Tim Elliott. I just think that he's. Um, I think he hits harder. I think he's younger. I think he's. I think he's faster. He's not going to get. Um, I don't think he's going to get out wrestled or out grappled. Um, I think it'll be a fun fight with a lot of scrambles, but I ju- unless his head's messed up because of Kane in Russia, which is definitely possible. Um, like I don't see Tim, I don't see Tim Elliott's style uh, working against a kid uh, against a kid like this. It just it seems like this is a very traditional gatekeeper fight. To be honest with you, I think this is risky to pick this high. I, I definitely have yeah, at least it might one have fight over this one. And the reason for that is that I'm not even, I'm not sure. I don't think that he necessarily deserved his last win over Alan Nascimento. I think that Alan was doing a lot more damage from bottom and and, and keeping um, Tagir on the defensive than Tagir was doing from the top. It was just a matter of this guy's on top. So we're going to go ahead and give him credit because gravity is on a side. Like, uh, th- that's what it seemed like. So... I can see Tim, Tim Elliott just being insane and busy. He's training under James Krause for this one, right? So presumably his cardio should be in place. Presumably he should have a pretty good game plan for this one. But I do agree with you on the pick. Uh, this would what, hap- what happened to him against against Nikolau though? Because he looked really good for about four minutes, and did he gas or like what was his deal? To be honest, I thought that was a wasn't that a pretty close decision? It well um, wasn't that a I fight that could have. I, I thought way? I thought Elliott looked amazing in the first round, and then. I remember him getting beat pretty uh, convincingly in the um, in the second and third, but I could be I could be wrong. You know what? I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at MMA decisions, and you're right. It was 29-28 across the board w- without any question. Yeah. So certainly Nikola won the the last two rounds. Yeah, um, and and you're right. And he's had a reputation of like of 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 doing this in fights previously, right? Where Tim Elliott comes in, looks awesome for about three or four minutes and then everything goes downhill. Although, you know, it, it wasn't just as simple as everything going downhill. But I do want a quick look. Were one of these guys a, le- uh, a late replacement in that matchup? I'm wondering if Tim Elliott had a full... Yeah, I feel like they both should have had a full training cap. So, yeah, uh, I'm there with you on the pick. I just I see some uh, risk with, with a young, kind of underdeveloped prospect um, against, like, a, a gritty veteran who's in a good place in life. But but I, I'm largely there with you. Uh, my next pick is going to be in the Marina Rodriguez versus Yan Nan matchup. I'm pretty excited for this one. I, I think this will be entertaining. It's a rare occasion where neither girl has to worry about the other going for takedowns, right? So they can really just let it go standing. And that's really where they hold all of their skills. Uh, Yan Zhao Nan's coming off of a pretty bad loss to Carla Esparza. Carla blew through her. She grounded and pounded at her like she's never done in her entire career. Hard to tell whether it was just a really great night for Esparza or a really bad night for uh, Yan Xiao Nan. Reina Rodriguez, all the while, is coming off of the biggest win of her career over Mackenzie Dern. She's on a three-fight winning streak, right, over Dern, Michelle Waterson, Amanda Hebos. She's, like, on a different level, dude. Like, she is firing on all cylinders. You would think that she got taken down by, I believe, all these three fighters, all three of them black belt-level jiu-jitsu. Particularly Mackenzie Dern is one of the better grapplers in this division, maybe the best pure grappler in the division, right? Survived, got back to her feet, did more damage. And then in the latter rounds, it gets progressively more difficult to take her down. So her conditioning is phenomenal. It's five-round level for sure. She should be the better striker here. She hits harder in this matchup, although technically they're not uh, incredibly far apart. I like Marina Rodriguez's ferocity, her athleticism, her length. Uh, I I like her team. I think she's going to put it all together. I think she's going to have a breakout performance, and a title shot should not be far down the line after this one. 
Uh, I'm with you on the pick. Uh, next, I'm going to go with, um, and he's annoying. I don't always love him, but I'm going to go with Kevin Trailblazer Holland uh, to defeat Cowboy Oliveira. I think I think that Kevin Holland is still uh, improving. I got to see how much what the age difference is here. He's twenty nine to somehow Cowboy Oliveira is only thirty four. Is that possible? Jesus, yeah, he's um, got he's a lot only thirty four, but he's got a lot of miles on him, and he and he has not been really successful the last three years. He has a decision win against Peter Savada and a split decision win against Max Griffin, while losing to uh, since late 2018 to Gunnar Nelson, Mike Perry, Nicholas Dalby, Shav- Shavat Rachmanov, Randy Brown, Nico Price. Like, you know, he's he's not really keeping the gate, so to speak. So no, I feel like not. this is a bit of a this is a bit of a step down, frankly, in competition from Kevin Holland, who spent the last he year needs mixing, it, mixing with such fighters as Derek Brunson and and Marvin Vittori, neither of whom could finish him, and he looked a little shaky against Kyle Dawkins, but this is a favorable matchup because Alex Oliveira is not. Uh, he's an okay. He's a good. He's a good grappler. He's not a fantastic wrestler. He ends up on his back. He ends up on his back a lot. I think that they probably have a similar level of wrestling, and um, I think that Holland's going to be uh, considerably more durable. Um, so I think I think this is his fight. Uh, I think it's his fight to lose. I think there, I think it's going to be exciting and fun, um, but that in the, there's going to be fiery exchanges and that Oliveira is going to get hurt first. Yeah, I think the age difference is going to be a factor. Oliver is just not the guy he used to be. He's not performing the same way that he used to. Clearly, the miles have caught up to him. He's never had great cardio past the first round. Kevin Holland has good cardio. Kevin Holland is very fast, even though he's coming down in division. Kevin Holland is way bigger, even though uh, normally Oliveira is the bigger man. So, yeah, I, I favor Kevin Holland in this one. This probably would have been one of my next couple of picks. So I'm on the same page with you there. My next pick is going to be in the Greg Hardy and Sergey Spivak matchup. Greg Hardy didn't pan out to be everything that I think the UFC was hoping he would be, which is why, you know, this is the last fight on his contract. I'm assuming they're expecting him to lose, and they figure if he wins, great. Uh, maybe we'll re-sign him for, for some lower amount or something. But coming off of two losses to Taito Ibasa and Martian Tybura, really high-level fighters, right? Al- Alexander Balkanov's the other guy who beat him. Sergey Spivak is not necessarily on that level as those guys are. Might be like maybe a step behind on paper at least, somebody like Tybura. Uh, he's coming off of a first-round knockout loss to Tom Aspinall. I think he took that fight on short notice, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, momentum is not in a great place for him, but he was 3-0 and leading into that matchup. I favor Spivak mostly because I think he's got the goods to make it through the first few minutes where uh, Greg Hardy's incredibly dangerous. Granted, he's coming off a knockout loss, so there's real risk there. I, I get it. Uh, I just think if it goes past a few minutes, Sergei Spivak will have better conditioning. He can be fairly durable in most matchups, and he's got the ground game and the takedowns to take advantage of a, hard, a tired Greg Hardy. So I'm leaning towards Sergei Spivak realizing there's risk. Yeah, I uh, I hope you're right, but if I were going to pick this, I probably was going to go underdog pick and take Hardy. Uh, I look at that Spivak loss to Walt Harris. I, I just think that um, Hardy's got something. He can something be blown out, huh? Yeah, he yeah. Can, I think that he can be blown out, and that kind of like pressure. All it takes is all it takes is one shot. Um, so I could see um, uh, Sergey Spivak losing in the in the fashion of uh, some of those defeats that um, another SS gentleman, Stefan Struve, uh, used to when he would kind of like get blown out by guys. I could I could just see Hardy finding that chin. Um, but you know, better you than me to make the pick because I'm not I'm not necessarily confident in that. That's um, fair. I just picked the heavyweight fight as my first top three. Like that was a pretty big mistake. Go on. <laughs> Yep. Uh, you know, good. Good for me. Um, everything it gets it's, it's pretty tough after this. Like, I'm a big fan of 
Mariana Moroz's um, uh, Instagram, <laughs> and she's a she hasn't fought in a while. Let me look at the exact date. It's uh, it was a little over. It was a year ago. She fought uh, Maria Bueno Silva a year ago, and Sabina Mezo a year before that. So she's not been and Angela Hill a year before that. So she fights. She's like been once making a year her impact year. from uh, only uh, her her income from OnlyFans, Nick. Is she? Oh, is she? On, is she on OnlyFans? Uh, somebody mentioned that. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I, from my understanding, uh, I know she's... I know Hannah Goldie. Well, she's. I mean, she's stunning. She's also she's a Ukrainian fighter, so That's the right. crowd's going to be behind her. The emotions are going to be there. Um, but she's going up against uh, Maria Agapova, who's got a much higher ceiling. She had that weird loss, um, like after you blew out Hannah Cypress, and then that weird loss against Shayna Dobson, where she seemed to not come in prepared. Um, and she had an earlier loss to, to Tracy Cortez, who's gonna who's gonna you know can wrestle hump to victory, um, but I think that based on what we saw of her against against Mezo, as Moroz is tough, um, but she doesn't land a lot. She does a lot of yelping and a lot of throwing at the air, um, and I think that uh, I just I think Agapova is probably going to be able to um, do more damage over the course of this fight. Yeah, this is this is a tough one for me. I, I can I can see the value on Moroz. From what I understand, Moroz when Maria Agapova first came to ATT, Moroz was like handling her. Which, if you look at Moroz's record, right? She she beat. Um, oh Moroz. wait, do these two have a feud? Do they were they the two with the blood yes. feud? Yes. Oh my yes. god, I can't believe I forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Agapova. Apparently, Moroz has a bit of a reputation for being a gossip, and uh, and she started talking about how Agapova was a terrible person who threatened her and did this and that in the gym, and and I don't know if only one of them is a bad person or both of them, but or maybe there's just some drama, but there is a lot of drama going into this one between these two, and what's interesting is that, you know what, I just realized Moroz doesn't usually fight at 125, does she? She usually fights at... 115, I think. Her last fight was against Mara Bender. So, well, no, it wasn't this division. That's fair. So, anyway, um, Moroz does this to dangerous prospects, right? Mara Buena Silva, dangerous prospect. She beat her. Sabina Mazo, considered a dangerous prospect at a time. She beat her. She she takes care of these prospects, especially recently. So, there's entirely a good chance that she can um, get takedowns against Maria Agapova, especially after the first round where Agapova is very dangerous. There's a good chance that her boxing can come through early on in that fight. So, uh, there's some risk here, but I guess I'm going to edge slightly toward Maria Agapova, if only a little. Um, my next pick is going to be in the matchup between Rafael Dos Anjos and Hanato Moicano. I I feel like Hanato Moicano's got a lot of the pieces in place. He trains with American Top Team, right? He should be in a good place. He's coming off of a fairly recent win at 155. Um but here he's facing an experienced guy who's preparing for a five-round fight. This is going to be a five-rounder at a 160-pound catchweight since uh, Rafael Fazeev had to pull out against Rafael Dos Anjos, right? So Moicano's stepping in here on very short notice, probably getting a nice bonus from the UFC, probably in good spirits. I hear that. But Dos Anjos is going to have the conditioning for five rounds. Moicano had the conditioning for three rounds several weeks ago, right? What has he been doing since, I wonder? Um, Moicano is going to be the bigger man here, but he used to fight at 145. Rafael Dos Anjos handled himself well at 170, so strength-wise, I think Dos Anjos, Dos Anjos should have the edge. Dos Anjos, from what I understand, is literally about to move to Brazil almost right after this fight, so I'm sure he needed the money. I'm sure he was open to whatever matchup uh, was preferable, and, and this kind of worked out. I'm going to favor Dos Anjos because he has the actual preparation leading into this matchup. Moicano hasn't proven himself to be on that level that often beats Dos Anjos, which is usually like... 
somebody pretty freaking elite. Dos Santos doesn't lose to mediocre competition. I think his worst loss in recent memory was to Michael Chiesa, who is a pretty good fighter, arguably arguably a step or two above Renato Marcano. I'm going to take Rafael Dos Santos, who's had a full training camp for five-rounder. Yep, I've got the same pick there. Um, yeah, things get, things get uh, pretty hard from here on out. And yes. I'm probably going to take a couple of... Uh, of a couple of underdogs. Um, ah, boy. Let me. I'm just trying to see if there's any anything low hanging that's still, <laughs> um, it's still around to take, and it's just like ugly stuff. Ugly stuff. I'm gonna go with. Um, I like. I you know he's he's three inches shorter and has an inch and a half less reach advantage. But I'm gonna take the uh, the toughness and experience of Jamie Malarkey over the athletic gifts um, of Jalen Turner. I like I like both of these guys a lot. It's just that against a higher level of I, f- I feel like uh, Malarkey has shown more against a higher level of competition than than Turner's been allowed to show, um, and that like. I'm curious to see what Turner does, how Turner responds when Malarkey doesn't go away. I've had a lot of luck uh, with having faith in Malarkey previously, and I don't expect him to let me down now, although I really do think that, you know, he's at plus, plus 140. Um, so I wish it was a plus 150 pick, but he I didn't know, get there. I know, it's pretty close. No, uh, I tend to edge Malarkey as well, but it does seem like, Jalen Turner's like in a really good place on a three fight finish streak. Yeah. All all within two rounds, right? So he's he's extremely dangerous. Uh, Jamie Malarkey though is tough. Yeah. No, it's it's true, and, and it was lower level competition. Jamie Malarkey, we have to consider, went toe to toe in a really close fight with Faraziam, lost a close decision to him, right? And Faraziam since then got blown out by Terrence McKinney. So like that loss didn't age well. Karma Worthy has a shitty chin. Still questionable what's going on there. Devontae well, Smith, went, I think, is a three, pretty quality one. He went three win. rounds with Brad Riddell also. Yeah, but he lost, he lost that. He got kind of roughed up, and he showed toughness and grit and determination. But he got roughed up in that fight, man. He got beat up. Uh, Devontae Smith is is a pretty good win, but that's the thing. I, I think what has me edging his way and agreeing with you is that Malarkey pressures. Malarkey closes the distance. Jalen Turner doesn't respond very well to pressure. And he, you're right. He hasn't been beating the level of competition that I think Jamie Malarkey is at. Um, it, it's interesting. Jamie Malarkey has a has a knockout win over another guy on this card in uh, Devontae. Was it Devontae Smith? Yeah, yeah, it was. It and was. Devontae Smith is is a much bigger favorite over I, his I, opponent than J, than Jamie Malarkey, who's an underdog to Jalen Turner, who's who's on paper below Devontae Smith. It, it's the weirdest thing. I think he's the constantly undervalued guy, uh, almost like the uh, Derek Brunson of this division. But I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take Jamie Malarkey because he's tough enough to uh, take some shots if he needs to, presumably. And he should be able to pressure in close distance, which Jalen Turner doesn't generally respond to. So I'm there with you. Uh, my next pick is going to be in the matchup between... Dustin Chagobi and Mikhail Olyaninchik. I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit surprised by the odds on this one. Dustin Jacoby's the the taller man by a bit. He's a, an actual uh, an actual light heavyweight versus Mikhail Olyaninchik, who should probably be fighting a division below. Mikhail is fast. He's a pressure fighter. He's shown some questionable cardio in the past, but he's got a lot of UFC experience. Got a pretty well-rounded game. Whereas Jacoby predominantly is a really good striker, really good kickboxer. Um, not the best takedown defense, but ends up getting back up to his feet when he needs to. Good, good grappling defense, I would say, if not offense. 
I'm going to take Oleolentric um, here. I think he's going to pressure at plus 170. There's value here. It's a two-point pick. Uh, I'm going to take I'm going to take the faster man who probably hits harder, um, who's going to pressure the taller guy here. I'm going to take Mikhail Oleolentric to to get a decision over just Dustin Jacoby. Interesting. Um, Did you see that coming, Nick? I didn't. Good. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, this next pick, I might be walking into, I might be making a, a mistake here, but I, Edson Barbosa has lost a lot of fights at two different weight classes. We go back, you know, going back to his, um, <coughs> pardon me, to his fight against Khabib, you know, he's, he's, uh, let's see, one and four, one and five, uh, three and five, he's three and six. Um, but his losses have largely been to either like strikers or like murderous wrestlers, um, like fellow strikers or guys with really, really good wrestling. And when I look at the complete fucking nut job, redneck, um, shit, you know, piece of shit probably that, uh, like COVID denying flat earther that is Bryce Mitchell. Um, I don't know if all those things are true, but he has, he, he, he was on, uh, Ariel Hawani's podcast and, just said all kinds of shit that was made you, you know, think about the guy. See, Nick, now um, I'm going to go ahead and listen to Ariel Hawani's podcast, and it's all your fault. Okay. Go on. Um, you can just you can read a recap. But, nope, I, mean, I want to hear he, Bryce Mitchell say it. He's, he's captivating. Scrappy. He's got the he if has factor. Am- he, he has amazing scrambles. He's on a five-fight win streak. Um, what he's – I just – I don't – like Edson Barbosa has pretty darn good takedown defense, unless you're unless you're like an NCAA monster, um, and that's not what Bryce Mitchell is. He's not a power. He's not a power wrestler. I think Barbosa with the balance is should be should be able to really hurt this kid standing up. Like I don't see the fight going to Mitchell's territory into his turf. I think Barbosa can keep this fight where he wants. Um, and and do some real damage and maybe get a get a wildly creative knockout. Now he's plus one forty. He's a plus one forty five uh, underdog across like two or three different betting sites. And Close, I wonder. And no maybe you, maybe you won't agree. I don't know what the. Well, I think the world is highly overvaluing Bryce Mitchell in this fight because I don't think that Barbosa's done. I think he's unlikely to win against certain types of high level fighters. But I see yeah, him I keeping that. the I see him keep I see him keeping the gate here. He's not he's he's just not a guy that ends up like I just yeah I don't see Mitchell getting an easy takedown and strangling at San Barbosa. I see him. no I, see I, Barbosa, I do I do hear you. You know I could see positions where Barbosa's hopping around on one leg for a while fighting the takedown, but the more time spent standing, like Barbosa should really be able to hurt this guy's legs and to and to just. Just beat, I think beat him up. But what do you think? Um, I, I think that if Barboza was a plus one fifty underdog, I would have taken the rider on him because I, I see the value there given our uh, given our system. But I gotta favor Bryce Mitchell if 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 the point value is equal, just because I think his pressure will be relentless. He's not gonna get tired. 
He has a pretty good chin. He's definitely going to get outstruck if he has to stand with Barbosa, right? So he really needs to close that distance, keep and and he like shoots and he reshoots and you start getting up and he reshoots, right? He's just relentless. And once he has him on the ground, I think he's going to get dominant position on Barbosa. Um, I'm I'm going to edge toward Bryce Mitchell, but again, if Barbosa was a plus one plus one fifty underdog, I probably would have made that pick earlier because I think I think for two yeah. points, yeah. Oh, if it was worth, for two points, I would have made it right. sooner. But I still, yeah, I believe it. I'm just I, until I see it. I don't. I won't believe that a guy who I think is not, who doesn't have a considerable strength advantage over Edson Barbosa can can um, can rag. I think I I think I think that Bryce Mitchell might have just this farmer strength, like legitimately. The guy works on his farm all fucking day when he's not training. And when he's not working on his farm, he is training. That's all he really does. His mind is on fighting. He realizes the value of being happy. He certainly doesn't read. No, no. And here's the thing, Nick. I disagree with him on a lot. He's likable. He's charismatic. He's an interesting guy. Like, he's got that it factor. He really does. He's a fucking character, Nick. Um, I can like somebody even though I disagree with him. And and I just feel like he really does has this likable quality. If if you watch embedded, if you watch uh, if you watch the, the little eight minute clip that the UFC did on him uh, in on him and Barboza and lead up to this fight, dude's really likable man. He just like started his own farm and is doing his own thing and not bothering anybody. And and yeah, he's a MAGA guy. And yes, it should be called UFC two seventy two MAGA. But um, Bryce Mitchell, it, like he's a guy that I like. He's a guy that I'm going to root for in this matchup. Not because I don't like Barboza. I think Barboza is a great family man, a really, really nice guy, decent man. But he doesn't have the upside long term, right? He's not going to be a contender. Oh, he's not going to be champion. Bryce yeah. Mitchell, maybe he might. He's such a good grappler. He dominates pretty good fighters, man. Like dominates them on the ground the way that Islam Makachev used to years ago. Right, like he seems like he's a different level in the grappling, and, and he, he hits pretty to, he hard. Did that to, he did that to Charles Rosa. The win against Bobby Moffitt was a lot more, um, was much was much more competitive than that, if I recall. I can't for yeah, whatever and, reason. And, and if you look back at uh, at Islam Makhachev's career, he had more competitive uh, matchups, you know, than he does now. Now he's blowing through much higher level of yeah, competition. I don't. I, rem- like, I have no memory of the fight with Andre Feely. I don't know if I missed um, it or what. There was a point, like, in that second round where the first three minutes, Andre Feely was starting to take over on the feet. I could definitely see that happening. But Bryce Mitchell, like, didn't get tired, didn't get discouraged, just went for a takedown, dominated the last two minutes of that round, dominated that third round. After, a, like, a 10-8 first round, um, Bryce Mitchell is is a serious grappler. There's a there's a higher chance than minus 152 that he loses this fight. I, I do agree with you there. But but I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edge toward Bryce Mitchell partially because I'm rooting for him, and I can see the pressure that Edson Barboza doesn't respond well to. I can see that working because Bryce Mitchell doesn't have the holes that the prospects that Barboza gets rid of does do, right? Shane Barcos is willing to stand with you. Shane Barcos is going to stand with anybody. And so eventually, odds are, um, and Shane Barcos is extremely hittable, Edson Barboza can take advantage of that, right? Makwan Amrikani took the fight on short notice. Makwan Amrikani doesn't have a good gas yeah. tank to begin I with. Thought, but he took yeah, him down beat, a few he times, beat Nick. Dan, But he beat Dan Ige. He, just, he got jobbed out of that decision. That's true. But again, a super close decision with Dan Ige, who's a good fighter, but a super close decision with him, man. Bryce Mitchell, granted, hasn't fought Dan Ige yet, but I would say Andre Feely's not too far off level with that. And it was a fairly competitive fight, but I thought Bryce Mitchell looked pretty good. Um, I could definitely see Edson Barboza winning this fight. If this stays on the feet for, I don't know, eight minutes... He's probably winning this fight, and and Bryce Mitchell might be tough enough to to make it the decision, even if he's getting tagged up. But his conditioning is solid; like he's he's married to this game. I'm a believer in this kid. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, stick with him on the pick. But again, 
close fight on paper. I don't blame you for making the Barboza pick one bit. My next pick is going to be in the uh, Nick. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Devonte Smith Ludovic Klein matchup. As of this moment, I'm going to take Ludovic Klein at plus 210 for two points. He's taken the, took this fight on a month's notice. That's concerning. Wow. Um, but Devontae Smith didn't didn't respond well to the striking of uh, of uh, who's the gentleman he just lost to by knockout. Who's also fighting on this card? I'm terrible with names. That I don't know. If Jamie you Jamie Malarkey. Malarkey, right? If Malarkey's able to take knock you the f out the way that he did, um, Ludovic Klein. The issue with Klein is that he can be on the back foot. He cannot be very busy. He's relying on the big explosive shots offensively. Not so great on the counter. So I can see Devontae Smith doing very well here. I'm going to watch a little more tape and I might change this pick, but. Two points? Is it worth it? Yeah, I think it's worth a ride. The guy can knock people out, and Devontae Smith is coming off of a big knockout loss. So I'm going to take a ride on Ludovic Klein, but officially, I'd probably edge Devontae Smith if it wasn't for these odds. <sighs> I know. This is a, there's tough. So there's one fight left, right? Oh, there's one fight left, and neither of us are picking it. Oh, that's interesting. See, I oh, thought we're not? we would get to... No, because we each have now six picks, and this would be a, this oh, would be yeah. a, so 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 quickly. Give me your pick on, on the Nikolai Negromano yeah, yeah, versus if, Kennedy just in case, I think it's really interesting, and I don't know how healed up Enzuchuku is from getting his his face elbowed in in uh, like four months ago. Um, but I'm gonna pick Kennedy Enzuchuku over Nick uh, uh, Negromano. Negromano. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree. He's uh, Kennedy's the bigger man. He's really tough, but that knockout loss concerns me. I could Nikolai, who has serious power in his hands, I could see him just landing a bomb and shutting him off if he was affected by it. But he's a relatively young guy. I assume he's going to recover. It was to a really high level, like really skilled, uh, uh, dangerous opponent that he lost to. And and Nikolai was kind of developing still. He's not at that level. He has the power to hurt uh, Kennedy, but I'm going to rely on Kennedy's pressure and just like insane output to to win the day. We're on the same page, Nick. Uh, for almost every fight, I think, uh, I took a couple of these riders, and I think that's the only thing where we kind of disagreed, but the point value was the main reason I took the riders. Nick, that'll do it for this episode. I've got to run. I'm sure you have shit to do. I look forward to reconnecting next week so I can talk about my valiant, valiant victory, Nick. All right, make sure you do that with both of your lungs. Both of my lungs are going to come with me. Nikolai, I don't use the second one. I'm not like Kobe. I'm not tapped into it, kind of like we only use 8% of our brain. Like, yep. like I'm not tapped into that second lung. Like yeah, Price, Price I'm going to work on that in the meantime. Bryce Mitchell uses 2% of his brain. Uh, that, that's probably true. I'll talk to you later, my friend. Talk to you later, buddy.